friends, this is Hannah Wedger, an agriculture teacher in St. Paul, Minnesota, land of 10,000 lakes, and I'm here to talk all things agriculture education related. Curriculum, classroom management, FFA, career development events, SAEs, and whatever else you want to hear about. It's basically me sharing chapters from my book of agriculture with each of you. Today, I have on a very special guest, Tanya Nickerson from New York, and she is going to talk all about um, the Egg Issues Contest, how to prepare for it, tips and tricks, um, and just how to, how, to, how to try it out and how to be successful. Uh, so, let's dig in. I'm here today with um, Tanya Nickerson, and I'm so excited. She's an agriculture teacher uh, in rural New York, um, and she is finishing her second year as a teacher, but she has an awesome um, prior work history, so I'm going to let her introduce herself a little bit more. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, so I am new to ag teaching, but I'm not new to working in general. I graduated from college in 2007 and worked after that for Farm Bureau as a field service representative and did government relations type stuff, and then also covered the southern half of what, the state of West Virginia, uh, where I, that's actually where I went to college. And then after that, I switched over to Extension because I realized I really liked kids more than I liked adults, and I still wanted to help people. So I worked for 4-H for about six years doing a dairy program and various other activities in my home county in New York. And then that led me through working in the Ag in the Classroom through Extension to realizing that I really needed to be an Ag teacher. So I went back to school and did my master's and now I'm working as an Ag teacher, which is a dream of a lifetime. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about the school that you um, teach at? Yeah, so I currently teach at a small rural school. Um, most people, when they think of New York, think of the big city. And as much as I would love to teach agriculture in a city, I don't. I teach it in a very rural area. So we graduate between 35 and 40 kids per year. And I took over for a teacher who had been there for 33 years before me. So I cover everything in ag from mechanics to leadership. So anything that falls in the ag. Perfect. You're like so highly qualified in so many areas. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. I'm actually very jealous that you get to teach in a city because to me that just seems so exciting to be teaching kids who have no idea what goes on. Yeah, it's really fun. I really enjoy. Um, I really enjoy that part of it. Yes. Um, so I we had chatted a little bit, and there's probably a few other episodes that we'll be able to record as well. But one of the things that you said you felt like you could really, um, you know more about than I do, is the egg issues contest. Um, and so we're going to chat a little bit today about that. But before we get into that, um, I'll kind of talk about what my background is in egg issues, and you can maybe share a little bit about yours. Um, I know very little for egg issues. <laughs> Um, and I, I mean, the experience that I've had with it is the person that I was student teaching with, he had an egg issues team. And I think I sat on like one, sat in on one like practice round for them. 
Um, and so that is mine. And I was like, egg issues, talking about that, like having a podcast about that. I feel like I would need that. <laughs> um, and so I was really excited when you said, hey, that's something that I, um, that's something in my wheelhouse. So do you want to talk a little bit about your experience with egg issues? So I have to say first, egg issues is my favorite leadership development event. I really enjoy it because as a team aspect of it, and I've just really grabbed onto it and liked it in the last few years. Going back a ways, this was my contest in high school. So my high school ag teacher, when this contest very first came out, she grabbed right onto it and it was kind of her forte. She spent a lot of time perfecting the system that I'm going to talk about today that I use and how to make it work. And we went to nationals for it and did well at the state contest in my high school that I went to traditionally did really well at it. So when I started teaching, it was a no brainer for me to get kids interested in the ag issues contest. So we've participated in it in the last two years in um, here in New York, and we have placed second at the state contest both times. So like I told Miss, uh, Mrs. Wedger before we talked, I don't think by any means I can teach everyone how to win the national contest, but I think I can help you have some confidence to be able to participate in the contest and get kids ready and excited about it. And that's what I'm excited about. Like, I just need some like tools in my toolbox to get a group together and be able to just have them compete. And we don't need to win or anything like that, but just to like test the waters because I am so interested in it. And I think it's a really cool um, contest, but it just seems like a little bit of a beast to undertake. Yeah, it for sure is. And I, I hope I can break it down a little bit to give you a better idea of how to do it easily. And I also think like if you're listening, you're like, well, I have no interest in ag issues. I really highly suggest that you try it out. There's so many aspects of it that will help your program in general, because there is like the public forum part of it, where you actually have to go out into the public and show them what the kids have been working on and present the forum for them. It's researching a local topic, working together. And so there's so many wonderful aspects of this contest that benefit programs in a wide variety of ways. All right. Well, let's dig in a little bit. Um, so the first question that I have, and this is for like all of us newbies or people that have never really done the contest, but what is the Egg Issues Contest? Like if you had to explain it to someone, how would you explain it? So the Ag Issues Contest is where you take a team of students um, anywhere between, I believe the numbers of the national, like in the national rules are four to seven, and you dive into an issue. So it can be any agricultural issue that falls into the different content areas that are listed on the national FFA website. So the areas are environmental issues, agriculture technology issues, animal issues, agricultural career, economic and trade ag policy, food safety, and biotechnology. So as you can tell, very wide stretching. And so you can pick a topic in any of those areas. After you have your topic picked, the students research the topic and write a skit. And then after they're done writing that skit, they memorize the skit, practice it, prepare it, and deliver a skit that lasts anywhere up to 15 minutes and then answers seven minutes of questions. And so those, that's kind of the national standards, what they are, but it might change at your state. All right. Okay. So that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that is a lot. Um, so first how part, you, okay, go ahead. First part is developing the issue. So when I think about it in like, what's the very first thing you do, you have to pick an issue. And so some tips that I would have for that are 
to pick something that the kids will care about and maybe to pick something that's local to you. So last year, my school, uh, my district was talking about broadband internet and kids can get on board with broadband internet because they love the internet and phones and all of that kind of stuff. And yeah. so that's why we picked that topic. This year we did more of a national broad topic. We did the right to repair in the machinery industry. So sure. Yeah. We'll be able to do that. So topics can range anything that you would want to do. Some people, the winner in the New York state this year did it on water quality in the finger lake. So something really local to them. So any topic you would be interested in doing is what you would want to do it on. If that makes sense. Yep. The biggest thing I think, though, is that the kids need to be engaged in it. They need to actually care about the topic. Do you, how do you have students um, choose a topic? Do you have them, like, work on this in class, or is it an after-school thing that you're just working on with your FFA kiddos? So kind of a combination. Um, having students who are agricultural literate is a really big deal to me. And so because of that, I do incorporate ag issues into a lot of classes and kind of use some parts of the contest to learn about them. So actually our issue for this year at my school came out of a conversation that happened in last year. So we talked about right to repair and then everyone became really interested in it. And then we ended up using that as our ag issues topic. So yes and no. Um, mostly the team, once we get a team together, we get our issue together, they are working on it outside of class time, but then also Sometimes inside of class time, like all FSA advisors, I think to try to get prepared for contests and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you pick an issue. Um, how, I know you said it can be really any issue. Do students um, Googling agriculture issues or, I mean, how do you, it just seems like broad to yeah. try and narrow in on something. So in my freshman course, I have the last two years done a big unit on agricultural issues. So we start, I choose some issues and talk about those together. And then they have a few assignments where they're actually looking for issues themselves. And it's kind of funny because you know, you know how it goes. Students don't think of what agriculture is until you kind of have, you kind of have to explain that, which is strange, but they don't get that it's actually everything. Yeah. Topics can come from so many different places. And so just kind of giving them ideas at first helps. And then after that, it kind of builds into um, them doing some exploration, exploring on their own and figuring out what are issues that are affecting them as people and their families and our communities. So I would say because I've done teams in multiple years, they're kind of already looking for an issue. So it's kind of always in the head of the kids that want to do the Ag Issues team. And they're always kind of thinking about it and they'll say, hey, what if we did this as our issue for next year? What if we did this? And so it's kind of funny how it works like that. Oh, yeah. So once they get it or once they're used to like the Ag Issues, then they're thinking about what they can do the next year or yeah, that's and, cool. Yeah. And if we read an article, like I said, last year's issue came out of an article that we read in welding class and the kids that were on the Ag Issues team last year were like, hey, we should do this for our issue next year. And so it, it's funny how it kind of they're always sort of looking and thinking about what should their issue be. Oh, I, that's so fun. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's really great because it just gets I love anything that gets their brains working and thinking about something. 
long term and that sort of thing. I do think that a, that local issues are really powerful just because when you do this, so the next phase of this whole thing after you do the research and all that is actually writing a skit. And so when you're writing the skit, you want to think about like it needs to be kind of play style. And so people need to play parts in a scenario of some sort. And so local issues are good because you, you end up having students actually playing people that they know. So when we did the broadband internet topic, we had someone who played our school superintendent. And then we also had someone who played a local farmer that we knew that we were able to talk to. And so it's kind of neat to, they're kind of personifying the people that are actually people we know. And so local issues are good in that way. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so first step, we're finding our topic. And then second step, you said they're getting ready for the skit. Is yeah. So first step, find your topic, figure out what that is going to be. Next, you need to do a lot of re- do research, and that kind of goes into the finding the topic thing. You want to have really, really good And then it's time to start writing the skit. And so what I have told people who have asked me how to do it is you you have your topic in the form of a question. So, for example, our topic two years ago was broadband Internet. So our question was, should the town of Centerville, which is a town in our school district, fund broadband Internet for all its residents? And so however you can put it into a question. This year we did the right to repair it, and so our question was, should farmers have access to the software needed to repair their tractors? So after you have your overarching question, then you need to think of pros and cons that fall into, um, into that topic. So what are the pros for the topic? What are the cons for the topic? And I think a really easy way, easy formula to do it is each person represents one pro or con. So then when they're doing the skit, they're getting that one point across. Okay, that makes sense. That's easy. So the easiest, I think, thing to do for an ag issue skit in my first year that we did it, this is what we did, is having a town meeting. And so the people in the town meeting are talking about why or why they don't support, why they do or why they don't support whatever the issue is. And so that kind of tends to be the easiest thing to do. So you have one person who's the moderator of the meeting and then even numbers of people on either side that represent a pro or a con. Okay. And then um, there can be a little bit of talking back and forth, but just doing it how you would run a um, town meeting or any sort of public meeting works really good. Okay. So for us newbies, that's an easy way to be able to incorporate all the pros, all the cons, and be yep. able to set up a skit without having to think too much about it. Yeah. <laughs> There, it's, it can be a very simple, simple layout, simple setup. So one person really needs to be like the narrator. So I always think an odd number of people is the best scenario. So you have one person who doesn't give their opinion. They're the one person that's just kind of moving the meeting along. They're introducing the topic. They're concluding on what the topic is. They're that one person. And then on even numbers of pros and cons on either side. Okay. And so that, I think, in my opinion, that works really good because um, if you look at the scoring rubric, you have to be balanced. So you can't leave having solved the issue. You have to leave it open-ended and just have presented.
Okay, so if they have, um, students have done the skit, then what's kind of the next step after that? So the skit is the biggest part of it. So you've written your skit, and then they need to perform and memorize and perform the skit. And so that is what really does take the longest amount of time. Be successful, at least in the state of New York, I don't know how other states do, you have to have your skit memorized. And... Um, just be on top of actually act like it's a play. And so at my school, we work with the drama department to do some of that, that tuning it stuff. So making sure that um, they're reacting when other people are talking, making sure they're acting like the person that they need to be. They're dressed the way the person would dress for whatever the job that they're doing is, if that makes sense. Okay. Yep. So then um, after the skip part, then you have the question answering portion of the contest. So your skit can last for 15 minutes. And then after that, judges can ask up to seven minutes of questions about the topic. And so there's any question can be on the table. And so questions is another part that we practice a lot to make sure that the students know the topic inside out, inside and out, and they know exactly what's going on with it. Is there any, um, for the questions, like preparing them for the questions, is there any other, um, I'm thinking about like maybe other teachers that you have come in to help like ask questions or whatever else, anyone else you kind of call on for that part? Yeah, so I do at, um, at my school, it was really amazing last year. We, we made a big deal out of doing this contest and being in a small school, it was really easy to. And so a lot of the other classes actually ended up watching it a lot of students ended up seeing the skit and then also a lot of teachers were willing to during their lunch have the kids come in and prepare for it and so for um in new york state it's a qualifying contest so you have to go to the district level be in the top however many at districts go to sub states be in the top two at sub states and then go to states from there and so at each of the between each of the contests, we also are practicing in with community groups. So showing community groups what it is that we're doing. Okay, cool. So there's, and I guess, are you kind of, when you're talking about like community groups, is that when you have to do like your public forum or I don't know if that's the right word. Yeah. I'm really showing how much I don't know about this contest. Yeah, so it's, <laughs> now that I'm talking about it, it sounds so much harder than it is. <laughs> so sorry um but yeah so there is a public forum requirement so in in new york state at least you have to show that you have presented for at least five community groups be, before the state event and so if for the team that goes on to nationals any of the public forums that they've done for community groups before they head to nationals or before they go to the state contest goes into their binder that they give for the national contest. And the more stronger community forums you have, you actually receive points for that. And so it's, it's a really, really great way to get kids out of school talking to groups of adults about a topic that they typically know better than the groups of adults do. And so what I try to do is get them in front of groups that have an opinion on the topic. And so for this year for Right to Repair, we actually presented at a local tractor dealer's open house. 
So those people are really passionate about the topic, and it was really fun to do that. We also went to farms and presented in their shop, farm shops to their employees. So trying to get them in front of people who care about the topic um, earns you more points in your portfolio. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm tr- I know that in Minnesota, that's also a requirement that right. you have to, so, I don't, I don't, I don't know how many people you have to, um, or how many groups you have to talk to, but I know it's a requirement that you have to talk to, um, or present to other groups before you go to the state level. And I don't believe in Minnesota, we have, um, like regional qualification. I think it's just at the state level because it's such a small contest for us. Yeah. And I, I think in, a lot of people do participate in it in New York, and so they only want to have six at the state contest just because yeah. it does, it, it's a contest that can take a lot of time. Yeah. Just because of the nature of it. So, But the, um, the national FFA website, if you go to where the, all the CDE information is, the handbook for Ag Issues is a really good handbook, the way it breaks it down and breaks the parts down. And then if you also go to the Dropbox, where they have the resources, you can see portfolios from last year's final four teams. And you can also see the, um, there's a really good quick tips sheet on there that kind of also breaks it down a little bit further for people who are interested in getting started doing the contest. Oh, that's super helpful. I always love being able to see like examples of ones done in past, in the past. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I'm also a major Ag Issues nerd, to just be really honest about it. And I've kind of convinced my kids that they should be too. And so this is almost embarrassing to say. But so for the finals, when it was happening at the National FFA Convention last year, we watched it during, it actually ended up being during our school lunch. And so the kids that were on the Ag Issues team last year, and we're going to be on it again this year, we like ate lunch and watched the Ag Issues contest. The other other kids that came in, they're like, what are you guys doing? Like, you're live streaming <laughs> Ag Issues contest. I'm like, yes, it's not a big deal. We don't need to talk about it. <laughs> but we got a lot of really, like watching, there's old contests on YouTube you can watch, and we got a lot of really good ideas from that. Oh, that's awesome. That's so smart too. YouTube. Uh, someone else just told me about, um, uh, oh, it was Cassidy Sheldon and she talked about, um, they have some SAE like examples on YouTube as well. And I'm like, why have I not thought of this before? Oh my gosh. I, um, I had a girl who did the creed this year and who such an amazing story. Never had no interest in agriculture. Told all the kids the first day of school. She was only in the class because she liked me ended up being this awesome creed speaker and I think she watched every creed contest that was on the on YouTube like oh my gosh like you have to see this boy from North Dakota do the creed like I like how he did this like so it's a really super great resource that you don't think of oh that's so funny yeah really neat um so thinking about egg issues again, what kind of students make like good egg issues team members? I think the biggest thing is that they have to have an interest in learning about the topic. And so making sure that they're going to want to learn about the topic and that the topic might be something that is interesting to them or that they want to be on a team 
I think sometimes um, some of the public speaking things can be very scary because it's just you standing in front of a room of judges or a room of people and you're by yourself. In Ag Issues, you get to stand with a team of people and so you kind of get to support each other. And so being on a team, wanting to learn about a topic, this year, I'll, I'll be honest, for the tractor topic that we did, we kind of needed another person and we looked around the room and said, who likes tractors in this room? And then picked picked someone that was a, kind of a, <laughs> a tractor kid because we didn't have that. We had people who really liked Ag Issues and liked the contest from last year, but we didn't have that background knowledge. Sure. That, and it was amazing. By the end of it, they learned so much from each other that everyone was kind of an expert in the topic. So it was, it was pretty neat. Yeah, that is neat. So what do pra- I mean, what do practices look like for your students? How long do you take to prepare for this? Is this something that takes a month or a couple of months? I know that you said you think about topics um, almost a year in advance, but what do what does like practice look like? Yeah, so our our first contest is in February in New York, um, late February mid to late February. And so this year we started very early. Part of it was momentum from the year before. The kids were really excited about it. And so we probably, we really started diving deeply. The very first thing we did, we actually went on a field trip to a tractor dealership to talk to them about the topic, which is another really neat thing you can do. And we did that in like November, but we, we didn't really have a finished skit until a few weeks before. It's really important to me that the kids have it memorized for the very first event, just because I think, and I think this in all the contests we do, if we're prepared early, it's so much better than that last minute scramble. And this one, you can kind of get down to the last minute scramble of it. And I'm saying don't take your kids if they have to read their part off a note card. No, not at all. Take your kids, do the contest. Maybe it'll get them more excited to do it the next time. But Mm -hmm. I I like to have it, have them have it memorized for our first contest. Yeah. Okay. And and, um, so practice wise, we practice sometimes I have the luxury of having everyone has lunch at the same time. And so the majority of our practices were during lunch this year and running through the skit and then running through different questions. So for the question portion, you want everyone to to answer a question. So you can't really just have like the one kid that knows everything. On the team, everyone has to know something and be able to have an answer, have an opinion, and then bounce off of each other during that questioning portion. So we'd practice questions, and then sometimes we would just watch videos we found on YouTube or read articles together about the topic. And so just trying to expand the knowledge on the topic. Okay. Okay. So that seems doable as well. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really a very fun, like, deep dive into one agricultural topic. Yeah. And I feel like the way that you broke it down, like that makes it seem like a lot easier to tackle as well. Just taking the different pieces and once you've completed step one, then move on, you know, like it just seems like I can do that. <laughs> yeah. And I, I can't stress enough. If I'm a visual person. So to see it, I, in the middle of our board, we write what our question is. And then on one side, we write the pros and write what we've decided the pros are. On the other side, we write the cons and what we've decided the cons are. And then what person would represent those? And that's the very first step of it, of starting to write your skit is, so here's the pros, here's the cons, and then who's the person that's actually going to represent that pro? 
and then from there you can develop your characters. Sure. Okay. Um, what are some specific roadblocks to watch out for then when, when you're thinking about the um, egg issues contest? It can be a very big contest and it can be a lot to handle. And I think what I found this year was we had a little trouble with, well, we have a skit and it's good. And so we're just going to go with it rather than doing the extra work to make it really good. Sure. It, it took kind of being told by some people, this isn't as good as last year's to kick them into gear. And okay. And them realize that they kind of needed to keep tweaking the skit. I'll be honest, this year we didn't have, uh, I don't even have a copy of the script because it kept changing. And so I think you have to be able and willing to change as you're getting feedback from people, as you're learning new things about the topic. Um, it was interesting with Right to Repair, new, more states were introducing bills on Right to Repair as our skit was going on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we saw a couple teams this year do immigration as their topic. And so as this the season of Ag Issues was going on, immigration was changing, and they were changing their skit along the way. And so you have to be willing to be flexible and know that maybe what you put down at the very beginning isn't going to be what you with. And you have to be willing to make those changes. Sure. That makes sense, too. That's something I would have never thought of. <laughs> Another roadblock, I think, is you you sometimes get, well, I can't memorize something, so I can't be on this team. And I think we see it in all different sorts of CDEs and LDEs we do. Like, I, I'm not, I can't memorize, so I can't do a public prepared CD. Everyone can. You just have to, you need to do the work. And so it does take a, tr a, a large amount of work to be successful with this. To be really, really successful with this contest. And so you just need kids that are going to work. Sure, that makes sense. And it sounds like you really pulled in a lot of different people, too, to kind of help out with this. The drama teacher and whatever else. And just being able to um, utilize different resources within the school and community. Yeah, it's a fun way to show everyone that FFA isn't just cows and plows. And that's <laughs> been my chapter's motto this year. Is it's those cows and plows and, and it, this is a really good way to explain that to people so that they can see that it's not we're not just out playing with cows or any of that kind of stuff we're doing a lot of high level learning and leadership and on the cutting edge of an ag issue yeah absolutely um you talked a little bit about a portfolio for it in um, I guess I'm not quite sure what that is or what that looks like or how you might prepare that. Yep. So for the state contest, you have to have a portfolio. Again, in New York, at least, you have to have a portfolio for the national contest. We follow the same rules. Your portfolio has to have a cover page. There's a few things that have to be on the cover page. Your question, the name of your school, what event you're at, the name of your team, and that's all listed in the handbook for Agish on the FFA website. Then you have to answer questions, and the questions are also listed out in the handbook, things like, what's the nature of this topic? What are the pros of this topic? What are the cons? And that can be two pages long, and then you have to have a bibliography page, so one page of whatever your course is, in APA style, of course, and then you document your published work, so pictures and 
usually you have to have a letter that confirms that you did complete the public forum or if you are someone a newspaper and they take a picture putting your newspaper article in there so your portfolio can be eight pages long okay and there's tons of examples on the national ffa website of what the portfolios look like and honestly when i did this the first time we just went on and found someone we liked and made ours the same format okay and it worked that's easy enough i can do that too <laughs> yeah the resources on i I love the National FFA resources for the CDEs. I think I use them in my classes beyond ag issues. There's a lot of really good stuff there. So if you're an ag teacher and you haven't looked at that, jump on the FFA website and check that out. So that was my next question. What support and or resources are available? So you're saying the National FFA website is a great go-to spot for all things ag issues. Yes, for sure. My biggest resource has been my high school ag teacher who has been really great to be helpful and uh, really wonderful. It was cool. My very first year, we actually beat her team at our sub-state event. So it was a really oh, that's, deal for me. And she was cool. so proud. Um, but yeah, so, so find the person in your state who does ag issues and who does it well and ask them. I think hopefully anyone would want to get more people involved. And then when it comes down to the specific issue, feel feel free to reach out to those people that you're going to be representing in your skit and working with them. Once, In my experience, once we told them what we were doing, they were more than happy to have conversations with the kids to be there as a resource for them and for the team in general. Oh, that's a great tip. I like that. Uh, is there anything else I should have asked but I didn't about agriculture issues? No, I just hope that I didn't make it seem too hard. And so I really <laughs> want, I, I'm very passionate about certain things, and ag issues is one of them because I think there's so many benefits to a chapter and to kids and to advisors to get involved in the contest. And so check out the website. You can contact me, and I can answer any questions you have. I would love if just one person after listening participated in this contest this year or even used it in their class. I think that, um, of course, Sarah Nurswick, like the queen of <laughs> ag, I'm convinced. I think she um, does this in her class and actually has her classes develop a skit. I think she does, too. I think yeah, she does I, it. Yeah. I think I remember that from, which is super awesome. Like that would be, that's really great. I do it in a, on a mini level, but so there are other people that are doing it and using it in their classes. And then you could go on from there and compete in the contest. Yeah. I am just thinking forward to next, to next fall when I'll be teaching an introduction to agriculture class. Um, and I can see that being uh, something that I might want to try and do like a, a modified version of this contest um, just to kind of get students a little bit more interested in FFA. Um, and also like we've talked about um, previous, like it's just a, a good thing to have students interested in hot button topics. <laughs> yeah. And to be able to talk about it. I, when I do, I do this with my freshmen and I actually, I give them the question. I give them one or two pieces of supporting information, so articles about the topic or something like that, and then spaces where they write the pros and cons, and then who is a person that would represent that pro or con, what their opinion of the topic is. And so 
we spend usually about a week doing five different topics. So a different topic a day. And then after that, I unleash them and let them find their own topic. But I pick things that I know that they're going to, that are really going to click with them. So things like horse or every high school should have agriculture in it or something like right to repair where they might not have an issue or have an opinion, but I need them to form an opinion after it, but also both sides of the topic. Sure. I like that. I'm so good. Now I'm inspired. I'm going to do that this fall. <laughs> oh, so happy. That's, that's easy enough. <laughs> All right. Um, so this is my favorite part of the podcast where I get to ask you some questions that are, um, a little bit more specific to you so our listeners can get to know you better and I can get to know you better. Um, and I forgot to mention in the beginning, we are Instagram buddies. So yeah, <laughs> and from the whole agriculture world on Instagram, that's been so cool and so fun just to meet up with everyone virtually. <laughs> yeah, so cool that such like a thing can make such an impact. I mean, I've, I've used so many, so many ideas from Instagram this year in my classroom that it's, insane and my kids always pick on my students always pick on me about um, <laughs> Instagram famous I'm like yeah for sure so if you want to look at stories of kids making fun of their teacher that's what happens on my Instagram I know <laughs> my students yeah they they think I'm hilarious yeah so <laughs> um so my first question for you is who has had the most influence on your teaching career so I'm not going to lie, I did have these questions beforehand. I thought about this one so very much. And at first I was going to say a specific student who I inspired and it made me so excited. But I have to say my college professor, um, Dr. Daly from West Virginia University, was the first teacher in my life who made me feel like my thoughts weren't dumb and that the small things that were happening to me were actually a big deal. And it's one of the biggest things that I've taken into teaching is that the only, in my opinion, the only thing kids don't have going for them is that they haven't lived long enough. And so the things that are happening to them are a big deal. And that's a direct lesson that I learned from him. Oh, I love that. That's so great. And I hope I've told him that. If I haven't, I'll write him a note tomorrow. <laughs> you can give him a shout out. Uh, what's your go-to order at your favorite hometown restaurant? Oh, this is another great one. So there's there's a place called Theo's, and it, it's spelled V-O's, so that's what we call it. And they have a breakfast Slovakia meal. So it's eggs, any way you get them, but I get them over easy. And then chicken Slovakia, that's like Greek style. It sounds weird, but it's so good. Oh, that sounds delicious. I love it all mixed together. It's wonderful. I'm the kind of person who can have um, like breakfast food any time of the day, any day, doesn't matter. Like, yeah, me too. <laughs> um, and then what are three of your simple joys? So um, my simple joys, music. I love music. Actually, next week on Instagram, my summer playlist will be coming out. I'm going to put it in my stories. I've been hyping it with my students and they just roll their eyes at me. But I love music. I need it all the time. Um, farming. I really like the act of farming. So before this, I was on a tractor and I feed calves at my family's dairy farm. I just, it just makes me so happy to be in touch with our food in that way. Yes. 
And then the third thing would probably be um, simple. I should have. I should have thought of this. I'm trying to. <laughs> a really good outfit. Oh yeah. yeah. I love when I rock it in the outfit department. Oh, I'm with you there. It's just there's just nothing better than feeling good in your clothes. <laughs> exactly, and I, there, I I do too. And I, it's it's important. I love when I just like look good. It makes me so happy. If I have a nice outfit on. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I'm totally with you. Um, so how can the audience find you on Instagram? What's your handle? Um, yeah. So I am T K Nickers. So this was my Instagram for my whole life. And so I'm in the pursuit of trying to figure out something that's more ag teacher-y, but I just haven't found anything out, figured anything out yet. So my students have been working on it all year. <laughs> so if you out there have something good for me, that could be like agriculture teacher, Nickerson is my last name. Sometimes <laughs> I would accept any suggestions. But for right TK Knickers. TK Knickers. So people can find you there. And if you change your name, they will still be able to find, or if they um, follow you, then they'll, they'll, yeah. be, they'll be hooked. So if they follow me, they can be along for the name changing and there. the summer playlist. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me. I am so excited and I'm hoping just like you that we get a couple people to try out egg issues next year. Yeah, thank you so much. This was really exciting for me, for you to ask me. So I appreciate that very much. You just finished listening to episode 10 of Ag with Miss Wedger, where I'm sharing chapters from my book of agriculture with each of you. I hope you enjoyed listening and learned a little bit more about the Egg Issues Contest from Miss Tanya. For show notes, please visit my Instagram at Miss Wedger for more information about our chat today. If you have any ideas or if you want to be a guest on my podcast, which I would absolutely love, um, just send me an email at egg with Miss, with Miss Wedger at gmail.com. Hope you all have a great week. Bye-bye, everybody.